Hi, I'm Jessie Delo, your host of Madly Forever, a podcast in collaboration with The Fullest. Each episode, I'll help people move past their vision boards to create a life and relationship that they truly love. I, sometimes along with the help of my husband, Brian, will interview a variety of experts, psychologists, couples, and business partners to discover the science and secrets to successful compatibility. By pairing my expertise for manifestation with my background in therapeutic healing, I have manifested the life of my dreams. With this podcast, I aim to help others find their optimal alignment as well. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Madly Forever podcast. I'm thrilled to welcome Amy Chan today. She's in from New York. We're so lucky to have her with us. And I'm super, super excited to let Amy introduce herself and tell you guys what she's up to. Hi, everyone. Uh, So great to be here. My name is Amy Chan. I am the founder of Renew Breakup Bootcamp. We take a scientific and spiritual approach to healing and rewiring the heart. Rewiring the heart. I love that. So, so many people that I work with personally come to me very heartbroken and just, you know, that period of just raw, just kind of... um, almost like hopelessness, right? And where you just need someone or something to take you out of your own headspace, out of your own just like dark place that you're in. And so you've created a whole entire business and life supporting people through this process, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is so unbelievable. Um And how did you get to this place? What is your background and what led you to this profession? Yeah, so it started about seven years ago. I was living in Vancouver and I was dating someone who I thought I'd spend the rest of my life with. And I was so young-minded at the time that I put most of my identity in him and in us. And so when the relationship fell apart, I completely fell apart and Mm -hmm. I thought I was broken and I couldn't understand what was going on with me because up to then I considered myself a pretty normal person. I had a great job. I had good friends, but the types of thoughts that were going through my mind, uh, completely destructive, some even suicidal, Mm -hmm. it was as if something took over my body and I couldn't get out. And it was a very scary place to be. And my friends and family, as much as they loved me, they weren't equipped to support me through this time um, more than, you know, being a shoulder to cry on. And so I tried everything I could to heal. I went to yoga retreats. I did therapy, psychics, Reiki, you name it. I tried it. And there was nothing that was targeted to the specific type of pain and suffering that I was going through. And so that experience coupled with my decade of experience writing about the psychology of love and relationships Mm. made me come to this idea of creating a retreat, a boot camp, a safe space where people can leave their homes, where they have all these reminders, be immersed in nature and go through an experience where they're not only in a beautiful surrounding with an on-site chef cooking really great food, but they're going through all these different types of healing modalities so that when they leave, they leave a little bit better. I think this is so brilliant and so incredible. And, you know, 
I personally believe a breakup is a gift, like going through that process. And I mean, I guess you could say you're lucky if you find someone, you fall in love and that's just it. But there's something to be said for going through that shedding process and that internal just um, that pain actually and experiencing that and being faced with who you are in the context of that sort of challenge. Mm -hmm. And I went through a really, you know, what I did, what I thought was sudden out of the blue breakup as well. And it allows you to really blossom as a, as a person and experience a new facet of life. So I think that anyone going through a breakup, instead of viewing it as like this horrible curse and this terrible, you know, of, of course, painful experience, it's really the biggest gift to be to be presented with this opportunity for growth, especially if you can then go on a, you know, a journey like you're providing where you can dive into everything that's coming up for you that the challenge has, you know, brought up to the surface. Yeah. I think a breakup is sometimes the shakeup you need to redirect your life. Yeah. Now I can say that looking back in retrospect. However, when I was having a panic attack on the floor, (laughs) I didn't believe that at all. And so I think in the beginning stages of a breakup, you are really in a survival state. And if they were to do an fMRI scan of your brain, they would see that the part of your brain is activated, similar to a heroin addict fiending for their next fix. You're physically in withdrawal. And so that is why immediately after, regardless of how great the relationship was or how dysfunctional it was, you have this craving and this yearning and this missing for the person because your body is actually in a state of shock. So depending on how long you've been together, you have neural pathways that have been wired together for months, years, if not decades. And so your body is used to getting your dose of dopamine, oxytocin, um, the fights, the makeup sex, the drama, all of that from this person and suddenly it's gone. Right. And that's what's creating the balance within your body is this predictable, this predictable series of interactions with this person and exchange of energy with this person. So when that energy is no longer in the equation, who are you without that energy? And it has to be re- recreated, right? Right. Rebuilt. You're totally, uh, it's totally, you're totally right where your equilibrium, which was your day to day with this person is now completely off balance. Yeah. And so that's why immediately after a breakup or separation or divorce, it is advisable to really cut contact. And of course, this is going to be harder for some than others, especially if you have children or shared Mm -hmm. pets or accommodations. Mm -hmm. But the reason why you want to do this is, as I mentioned earlier, you have neural pathways that have been wired together. And every time you scroll on their Instagram feed or reread text messages or fantasize or dream of, you know, the future you could have had or ruminate about the past, you're actually just continuously strengthening those neural pathways Mm. versus if you cut it off and you start to instead the next time you're craving checking their social media go, okay, I understand what's happening. My brain is actually craving dopamine. I'm going to get my dopamine and my need for connection in another way. I'm going to see my best friend. I'm going to do some community service, whatever that is. And eventually what happens is you create a new neural pathway and the older neural pathways start to prune away. Absolutely. And it starts with awareness, right? Being aware of what your body is calling out for. It's just like someone who's addicted to any other type of thing, food, you know, you're filling a hole 
Yeah. And so you're finding healthy ways to do that. Exactly. Yeah. And not resisting moving forward too. Mm -hmm. That is, yeah. I love the science piece of it and being able to make sense of why you're feeling what you're feeling so that then you can take action. Mm -hmm. And so you said you were writing for on relationships before. Yeah. And so that must've been very interesting for you when you went through this breakup and you're this expert in relationships and then you have what sounds like a complete like breakdown, right? Mm -hmm. So what was your sort of experience and your, your role before as a relationship writer, what brought you to that? And what did you, you know, learn in that time? Yeah. So I started publishing my writing because of a breakup again. (laughs) I was 25 years old and I was dating this um, artist who fell in love with me just as quickly as he fell out of love with me. And conveniently after I bought us an apartment to live together. And when that breakup happened, excuse me, I just had to cough. Maybe I I should repeat. So I started writing and publishing my work uh, when I was 25 after a breakup. And I was dating this artist who fell in love with me just as quickly as he fell out of love with me, conveniently after I bought us our first apartment. Mm-hmm. And after that breakup, I I just started to journal about what is love? Because I remember him coming home and saying, I'm not in love with you anymore. Like, I love you, but I'm not in love. I don't feel butterflies when I ouch, see you. Ouch, <laughs> So painful. <laughs> totally sucked. Ugh. And it started, I started asking the question, well, what is love? Is love this fleeting feeling and you want to rip each other's clothes off? And as long as you have that, that's love. Or is there something else? Is it commitment? Is it honoring the commitment? Even if that day you feel moody and you don't even want to talk to your partner. So I started to explore this topic and I wrote a blog and I just posted on my social media. I think it was MySpace at the time. And I had a lot of people respond to me and say, wow, this really helped me. I feel like you took the words out of my mouth. And so at that point I said, okay, maybe I I have something here. Maybe I'm a writer. So I took that article and I cold contacted probably about a hundred different publications and most of them ignored me. Some said, you don't have any credentials to be a writer. And one publication, which was the 24 hours newspaper in Vancouver said, sure, we'll give you a guest shot. And after that, it became another contributed piece until I got um, a weekly column with them and I wrote for them for seven years. And that's how, how my writing experience started. Yeah. Really cool. And so you would just write about different topics in the pursuit of understanding what love was. Exactly. So do you have any idea what it is? (laughs) (laughs) I do actually. Um, So yeah, I've, I've studied the psychology of love because that was the one area in my life I couldn't control or understand. Mm -hmm. In every other aspect, friends, community, career, I killed it. Hmm. And for some reason, relationships was so hard for me. And I felt like I was heartbroken and going through heartache since I was a little child. Hmm. And so in my quest to find love with someone else, what I have realized is the greatest journey has been coming back home to me. And it's a reconnection of everything I've already had inside. And now I know we hear that a lot on, on, you know, positive mantras Mm -hmm. and on coffee mugs, but really it is the daily 
commitment of loving yourself mm-hmm. and having more acts of self-love and self-compassion in a day than acts of self-hatred. Mm-hmm. And some days I win and I have, you know, out of a hundred choices I make, 90, 90 of them are rooted in self-love. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I don't. And I look at my photo and I criticize myself and I think I look fat. Um, and so love is not a destination. And I think this applies to whether it's love with yourself or love with another person. It is not some island. And once you get there, everything is fine. It is a constant practice every single day with all the choices that you make. And I think once you start to reframe your definition of what love is, you start to create more of it and you start to see more of it and you start to magnetize more of love into your life. Mm, It's like a living, breathing thing that needs to be fed and nourished and Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting you say that all these other aspects of your life, you know, were flowing so smoothly and so effortlessly, but it's really the, the love relationship or even just relationships that are intimate that reveal your true, true areas where you need to, you need to work. It's like shining a mirror back, back onto yourself. Right. Yeah. Whereas everything else, you can sort of do it and then leave it and go on to the next thing. Okay, cool. I did that. I did that. I did that. But like when you're in true, trying to cultivate true love, it's all about that mirror Mm -hmm. and being honest and vulnerable and sharing from your heart. So if something's off inside of you, it's going to be brought to the surface. Yeah, for sure. So, okay, coming back to what you're doing now and your workshops and how you work with people. So can you walk us through what a retreat is like and what your work with people in that state of a breakup and heartache is like? Yeah. So we start breakup boot camp um, at 12 in the afternoon on a Friday and it's held in a hundred acre luxury estate within nature. One and place specifically, or does it change up? It's the same place. Oh, where is it? Yeah. It's near Hudson. Oh, cool. So yeah. in New York. Yeah. New uh-huh. York. And um, basically once they get there, we set the house rules. And one of the first house rules we have is there's no bashing of the ex hmm. because the more time we spend vilifying our exes, that's more time we're taking away from moving forward and healing ourselves. And the people who come to renew think they're coming just to heal because of their ex. And what we find every single time is it's never just about the ex, it's recycled pain. And we recreate the emotional experiences of how we were wounded as children. And if we don't figure out what are those subconscious wounds and patterns and belief systems and start healing and working at that, we're going to just create the same emotional experience just with someone else. And so we really encourage everyone who comes to really take off their victim hat and put on their investigator hat because our exes reveal really important data and information about ourselves and what's happening in our subconscious mind. And so after that, there's a series of different facilitators. There's 13 experts that come from psychologists, hypnotists. We even have a dominatrix who has a PhD from Berkeley who teaches specifically on the psychology of power dynamics. Wow. Yeah. So fascinating. I want to hear more about that later. Yeah. And the programming is, it's it's intense. So for example, on Saturday, you're up at eight in the morning, you're in programming till about 11 o'clock at night. And we design it specifically like this to 
overstimulate the brain and the nervous system. Because what we want to do is really create a shakeup mm -hmm. so that we can create an opening for actually new seeds of information and transformation to start to implant. Because most people have decades of wiring and patterning. And while most of them have gone through therapy or are going through therapy, talk therapy an hour every week or so sometimes takes a lot longer to move the needle. Mm. And mm -hmm. so sometimes they come to Renew Breakup Bootcamp as a last resort. Oh. Yeah. And it's this immersive experience where you're, you're letting people, you know, be also exposed to other people's experience, like learn from other people's, you know, aha moments as well. I feel like when you're just in a singular session with your therapist, it's all about you, but when someone else has that moment, you might be like, wow, I never thought about it that way. And yeah. Yeah. That shared experience is so powerful as well. Yeah. And some, the age ranges from, we've had 19 years old to 68 years old. Wow. And it's really beautiful to see, uh, you know, the 19 year old seeing someone at 68 and the 68 year old seeing someone who's 34 and how everything kind of comes full circle. Um, so yeah, it's a really beautiful community experience because when you're in it, you sometimes think that you're going crazy and that you're the only person going through this. Mm -hmm. However, the, the challenges and the pain and the suffering is actually quite common and yeah. it's shared. And I think when you understand that there's other people that are also going through it, you feel a little less alone. Mm, and absolutely. that's really important. And your, your sense of self has been threatened, right? When you're in this, in this time of breakup. So to then rebuild from that place, I remember someone telling me when I went through a breakup about the idea of creative destruction, that something needs to be destroyed sometimes completely so that you can build it fresh from the ground up. Right. And I, that idea was so comforting to me during that time that, oh, like I'm not falling apart and like nothing's like just dead and done. It's like actually this beautiful time of rebirth mm -hmm. and it's really actually very positive. Yeah. Um, it doesn't feel like it in the moment, but it's building. It's something better and bigger is coming. Mm -hmm. um, so how do you, when you said people put their investigator hat on to learn about their past traumas and their past patterns, what are the most valuable questions to ask oneself during that time to get to the root of those things? Yeah. So one of the most powerful sessions we have is with uh, both our psychologist and our hypnotist, where we look at the underlying limiting belief that is often very deep in the, the, the subconscious. And so we'll look at we'll kind of reverse engineer and we'll look at behavior. So if someone's experience is, oh, I'm always overgiving, I'm always taken advantage of, uh, I, I do so much and the other person doesn't invest. Mm. Well, we look at that and instead of saying, okay, is it just really because this person's a jerk mm. and they're awful or is there something else? Because, oh, you do this also with your sister. Oh, you also do this with your best friend. So, so why? Right. And so we strip off the layers and strip off the layers. And what we end up finding is what is the root belief? Oh, the root belief was, uh, at a very young age, I developed the belief system that I am not enough. And then we look at what was that, what was that moment? Was it something that happened at three years old that was maybe insignificant to your parents, but you totally took it in and it traumatized you and you created this deep belief into your psyche that I'm not enough. And the only way that I'll get love 
is if I overgive. And so you spend your entire life proving your value to try to earn love and earn validation. And you get to this point where you keep recreating the same emotional experience. Oftentimes people don't even know why they're operating the way that they are and they don't know what that root belief system is. And so we need to really, I guess, understand what the source, the nucleus is and start to rewire that. And the way that we start the rewiring process is we actually create a, it's almost like a ladder of evolving beliefs. So you can't go from, I am not enough to... I'm full of love and abundance. It, it just doesn't work. Your brain will reject anything that it doesn't actually believe. So you have to look at it as a ladder. So it goes from, I am not enough. And the next rung could be, there are times where uh, I feel valued for who I am. That's a bad example, mm-hmm. but you get what I mean. So yeah. you, you start Gradual. small, yeah. something more true and more helpful. So that you can actually accept that belief and and operate from there. Yes. Slowly. Exactly. Yeah. And so once you start, uh, believing the next one, you're like, Oh yeah, that's true. And finding examples to support that. And then we do like ritual and, and we provide some tools for them to practice afterwards so they can really start remembering and living through that new lens. Then you get to a point where you're ready for the next one. And then the next ladder, uh, rung on the ladder. And then you keep going until you hit that point where you're in a healthy space. Mm, I love that because I feel like, yeah, there's positive affirmations that we're all asked to come up with. Like, I'm, you know, X, Y, Z. And if you just don't believe it, you could say your, say it to yourself a hundred times a day, but it's not really going to do much. Exactly. If anything, it might just frustrate you. Exactly. Yeah. But if you're, you're like, you know what? I actually can prove a time where I felt this and I can mm-hmm. connect to that experience in my body. Yep. Um, and so I'm going to say that from which I know mm-hmm. and work from there. I think that's really a beautiful concept. Yeah. So this is all women who come to the retreat? All women and all women facilitators. Got it. So a very safe space for women. Yeah. And uh, we purposely don't tell anyone what's happening on the agenda. So it's just a session. Because what happens is people generally like to be in whatever is in their comfort zone. Uh So if you find out that you're going to have like a session with a dominatrix and that she's going to ask someone to volunteer and she's going to perform a, you know, show you how a session would look like and you're going to practice with a partner, what dominance and submission looks like, and you're going to role play. You'll probably be like, no, thanks. I'll set this one out. And right? can, do you have that option in this No, retreat? absolutely not. <laughs> so every session just says session okay. and you don't know what's going to happen until you're there. And we design it intentionally because what happens is it enables people to experience something. They have a positive experience. And afterwards it provides a message that, oh, wow, I tried something I was totally unsure of. I didn't know what was going to happen. I had uncertainty and I was rewarded by a positive experience. Mm -hmm. Okay. In the future, I'm a bit more open to uncertainty and saying yes and seeing what might happen. So every little thing is designed on purpose. I love that. If we could only eliminate expectations from our everyday life, right? Yeah. Like just be open to whatever is in store. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what does the dominatrix do on this retreat? What is her purpose? One of the favorite sessions at Renew is the one with our dominatrix. Her name is Colette. And she teaches on the psychology of power. And the dominatrix is the ultimate symbol of power. People come to her with their fantasies and they're 
the people that come to her are called submissives. And basically there is this interplay of dominance and submission. So she explores of how do we, how do we keep ourselves in bondage in our daily lives through our expectations of people of not accepting reality. He, he should have done this. She should have done that. Uh, he should have taken me away for Valentine's day. And all these things that we have on a daily basis that we don't even know that we are in bondage to. Hmm. And so it makes us ultimately a submissive and a, or a slave to these things, whether there are expectations, our um, very concrete ways of looking at life and how things should be and how things should play out at the injustice of things. And giving uh, away our power. Giving away our power. Yeah. And the, our sense of responsibility for creating our reality as well. Exactly. Yeah. And so she explores these topics that are really still taboo. And I think only recently, you know, with Fifty Shades of Grey, which really doesn't depict much about the dominatrix, uh -huh. um, but it's starting to be talked about a little bit more. And what is really great about Colette is she is all about shifting your perceptions and what you think is so right and what is wrong. And I'm only about monogamy and anyone who does open relationships is messed up. And I will use myself as an example. Before I met Colette, I used to think that anyone who would see a dominatrix is totally messed up. I'm like, you're messed up. Something's wrong with you. You're weird. <laughs> and after actually starting to understand and being curious and asking questions, I completely shifted my perspective and I had an opening. And what she starts to reveal is a lot of the times people come to her, they're high powered CEOs who are uh, often have a very narrow range of what masculine means. They have to be the boss, the leader, the man, the provider. And there's not a lot of room to play with the other parts of ourselves that we all have. And so for that one hour, they get an opportunity to completely surrender and let go, not just on a psychological level, but really surrender and let go. And that to them is a sense of freedom. And so dominance and submission is playing out all the time. And one is not good and one is not bad. It is a constant interplay. Mm -hmm. When a teacher is speaking to their students, that teacher is in a dominant role and the student is in a submissive role. There's no good or bad. So it's understanding the interplay of both and how we lose our power and how we can keep our power and redefining what does power mean? Because I think that a lot of people think that power is seen in a very uh, patriarchal view, mm -hmm. especially if you've been in the corporate mm -hmm. world where you're really rewarded for the masculine energy, being decisive, aggressive sometimes, competitive. And I know for me, growing up, working in the corporate, trying to make my way up to an executive level position, I, instead of really leaning into my feminine empowerment, just tried to be like a man. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, being powerful meant to be like a man. And so I would be cutthroat and competitive and aggressive and impatient. And what I finally started to learn is a rewiring of what does power mean? And to me, I'm starting to really embrace that power is soft. It is magnetizing. It is using 
coming from a place of love and abundance mm-hmm. and trusting versus scarcity and fear and overcompensating. And yeah. Yeah. So or it's projecting. Like, sometimes it's being rather than doing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so all these things that she discussed is really a great opening for us to just start to take a look at these concepts that we've held so uh, much as truth and just poke around a little bit and be curious and be open-minded. What I find fascinating is with the dominatrix and how you describe these high-powered CEOs and executives needing that release, I completely understand, but it's also like coming in and creating that conversation for them to allow those parts of themselves to be integrated rather than this one singular hour outlet that Mm -hmm. might be um, defiant from their family, you know, Mm -hmm. doing something that might not be in line with what they actually want to be doing, but how can they integrate those parts of themselves and be soft and be surrender with their partner and, you know, make that safe and make that, you know, acceptable behavior. Whereas like, this taboo, having to go see a dominatrix, not necessarily that it is taboo, as you're saying, I'm, I just wonder if there, I feel like it's a symptom. The need for that Mm -hmm. is a symptom of a larger conversation and a larger need, um, for people to be able to express all aspects of themselves in an honest, authentic way, rather than needing to hide in a in a one hour paid session, right? Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head of, of, of a bigger symptom and verse, whether you're a man or a woman, it is something that applies to all of us. And what is real empowerment is when you are able to accept and love all sides of you, not just the one side that is socially accepted. And I feel that the journey of really loving yourself is to look at all those sides of yourself that had to be suppressed, that had to hide. Um, The little girl that was called a pervert. So she became very non-sexual as a result of that and hid it. Mm -hmm. It's to really look at the part of you that's angry, that's sexy, that's feminine, that's masculine, that's a leader, that's a follower, all those sides and let them have a place at the table. Mm -hmm. And instead of what happens often is we shut them down. And so we have all these sides of us that are repressed. And so, of course, that's another way that we are in bondage. 100%. And then you're not going to have this authentic soul connection with a partner when you haven't, as you described in the very beginning, fully loved and integrated all those parts of yourself. Yeah. So it's like the, the first step is, and in this opportunity of a breakup to reassess what am I shutting down, right? Mm-hmm. Where am I hiding? And how do I want to meet my true soulmate and show up as me for who I want to be and who I am? Yeah. And so you help reveal those things to somebody. Yeah, we do an actual full exercise where we examine what is the side of you that is presented to the world? What is that mask that you wear? Yeah. We actually do it on masks. And then- I love the, that. I do that in my art therapy group sometimes. Oh, cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And on the other side, we explore, well, what are the other sides that had to be suppressed, that have been hiding, that you want to be, that- are bubbling inside you, but you're a little bit too scared or you don't know how to let it come out. And then we look at that and sometimes they're completely contradictory. And one thing that keeps coming up when women do this exercise is um, irresponsible. 
And that is something, especially the moms that on the other side of the mask, they just want to be able to be irresponsible Free. sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And so at the end, we integrate an exercise where we have them create a dom name so that you can channel this other side of you, an integrated side of you um, at any time, whether you're in the boardroom or the bedroom. And we actually have them go through different embodiment exercises with these different, with this different persona and, and start to wear how it feels like. I love that. Does anyone ever come that is in a relationship that just is feeling lost or feeling like confused and not aligned? Yeah. So it's interesting. About 40% of the women come who are fresh out of a breakup or divorce within uh, two months to a, a year or so. Mm-hmm. Some, they've mourn their breakup from a couple years ago, but they know that they keep having the same patterns. Some are actually in relationship, but they see patterns from the past coming up and they want to ensure that they're proactive so that this doesn't affect and harm their current relationship. Another startling statistic is around 30 to 40% of the women are either dating or have just broken up with someone who's a narcissist. Wow. Yeah. That's super interesting. Yeah. And sometimes they're in, by the time I have the, the, the intake call with them, they're like, yeah, we've broken up. And usually it's a cycle. They've broken up and gotten back together multiple times. And by the time they come back, they're back in it. So but that, they know they wow. have to get out, but they can't get out because they're so addicted. Wow. So it's really like a love addiction situation that brings a lot of people to you. And also it's the type of person who falls in love with a narcissist, which is like, there's something going on with their own psyche that is craving that dynamic, right? Yeah. So there's a combination. There's different things that we work with. There's love addiction. There is, what is this kind of hole that you have here? And then someone who's very skilled can say, okay, I know exactly what to say to speak to that hole and fill this Mm -hmm. person up. And suddenly you're like, oh my gosh, I met my soulmate. This is a person of my dreams. This is everything that I've ever wanted that I couldn't get myself. And what happens though with the narcissist and it, there, there's an actual disorder and then there's a spectrum. Uh-huh. And so it happens generally very gradually. So you don't go one day, uh, one day and you're like, Oh, I'm signing up for this narcissist uh, person. And it's going to be two years <gasps> of emotional abuse and gaslighting. It happens very slowly. And what usually is the case is the very beginning is absolutely magical. It's, they sweep you off your feet. It's romantic. It's head over heels. Yeah, yeah. Those are Theatrical. exact words they use. Theatrical, really. Because yeah. this person's so good at putting on this like amazing show. Yeah. And so every single time, that's what they say. I was swept off my feet. It was amazing. And then suddenly there's a switch and then they're a little bit distant. And then what happens is it triggers this like uh, reaching and this grasping in the other person. And then this kind of cycle happens, a hot, cold, hot, cold. And that creates this kind of addictive cycle where you become yearning for that person's attention and you'll do anything in order to get it. And then the gaslighting comes in place where you think there's something wrong with you. And it's like death by a thousand cuts. It's just a total mind fuck is what it is. Yeah. Where you're like, you lose your whole sense of, of safety with that person. Right. Yeah. But I think that there's something, I think there's something in the person attracted to the narcissist 
that is looking for a sense of self through their grandiosity in a way, right? Yeah. Like, and that's why that really huge loss of sense of self happens at the end because every, any sense of self they did have has been like completely abused by that person. Right. Yeah. And I think you make a great point of the validation of the grandiosity of the other person, because one of the questions our psychologist asks everyone is she explains about narcissism and the spectrum and how narcissists target people so that they can up their own status, lifestyle, things like that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And she asks the question, so how many of you might be a narcissist yourself? Hmm. And the, 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 the room goes silent because a lot of the people can be like, well, the lifestyle did look really amazing. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, dating this guy, the hot dreamy doctor that chose me (laughs) really made me feel good. Right. And you start to peel back the layers and it's like, wait a minute, we're not just these innocent victims of it. How are we accountable? How are we playing a part in these dynamics playing out? And what did we ignore? Because we didn't want to see. Exactly. Because those signs, you see them and you're like, oh, that's weird. That's a red flag. But you want to, the other side is so enticing that you want to stay, stick around and see if there's any more of that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But the red flags are real. Yeah. You really got to pay attention to those. Mm -hmm. So that's super fascinating. 30 to 40%, you said. Yeah. And then what are the other, are there any other sort of... That's one of the the common, the common ones. And, um, yeah, it's every single boot camp that's what they're dealing with. Yeah. Well, that just must be a, like sign of what's going on out in the world dating these days. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I still don't know if it, is it just that people are starting to understand what things like gaslighting are. What is gaslighting? What is the definition of that? So gaslighting is when, Here's an example. Um, Your boyfriend's cheating on you and you start asking questions like, oh, uh, where were you so late last night? And your boyfriend goes, stop being such a crazy girl. You're being a crazy girlfriend right now. I was working and then I fell asleep. You're totally so needy. So making you feel guilty. And then suddenly you're like, oh shit. Am I? Uh, that I am person? needy. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm that crazy. This true story happened to that me. That happened to you. Um, <laughs> and so that's a typical example of gaslighting. Wow. Yeah. I never heard that expression before. Yeah. What is where does that come from? Uh, I believe it's like textbook. If you start looking oh, really? at like behaviors huh. of narcissists. Oh, that's yeah. really interesting. So everyone should know that because it happens. It happens with uh, in work settings, with friends, with relationships look at manipulation Uh when people are instead of taking accountable of what they're doing and how they're affecting you and how they're hurting you or hurting other people, they turn it around and try to make you feel like you are crazy. Mm. Yeah. That is a really good point. Yeah. So you're not crazy. If you're feeling that way, you're not crazy. (laughs) There's something, trust your gut and ask the questions. If they can't answer them, then there's, there's the issue right there. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you said that you're developing this program with a dominatrix, right? You're even going further. And what is that going to be? Yeah. Like? So after Renew Breakup Bootcamp, the women tend to bond a lot. Some, I've had two people got a tattoo together afterwards. Some want to go on vacation. Does anyone after. fall in love? Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't. never know. Yeah, it's true. Um, and so 
after, because boot camp is really about the wounds and really getting the foundation of the house, your self-esteem, your self-compassion, your chemistry compass, is it pointing in the right direction of healthy people or is it pointing in the direction of unhealthy, dysfunctional people? And so once we've done that, the women are like, okay, well, what's next? Like, I'm ready to date again. Like I'm feeling, I'm feeling like I want to go out and be people. And so the next concept, which hasn't launched yet, we've just did a beta run of it, is going to be called Renew Power Play, a boot camp to channel your inner dominatrix. And the entire wow. theme and focus is going to be on your personal power. Uh, we're going to look at themes of empowerment, defining what power means to you. Uh, we're going to take a field trip to the dungeon. You're going to learn the basics of kink. Wow. Uh, we have a sex educator talk to you about sexual education, stuff we never learned and how we can tap into our own desire and how we're responsible for our own turn on and how we can increase our libidos and actual tactical tools of what we can do so that we could be a source of our own pleasure. And so it's like the really fun and juicy stuff. And it ends with a boudoir photo shoot where the women are encouraged to either buy lingerie or bring something they feel sexy in. And we have a professional photo shoot so that they can actually see themselves and have uh, this photo of themselves of them in their powerful, empowered, beautiful dom self. Yeah. Yeah. And I can imagine this being for anyone, not just someone going through a breakup, right? Oh, this is totally not. This is totally separate. Yeah. This is, if you are Renew alumni, you can come to this or if you just want to tap into your empowerment and sensuality. Who doesn't? (laughs) Oh my gosh, of course. That is really, really cool. Yeah. And in addition to that, you also offer um, like tech support, right? Like over email and text, right? Yeah. So what's that program like? Yeah. So I have an email course. So if you've just gone through a breakup, the first 30 days is generally really challenging because your entire environment and homeostasis is in a state of chaos. So every day there is an email that comes to you in the morning and a practice and it's rooted in science and psychology. So it's like a 30 step kind of get you back on your feet in the very beginning. I'm obsessed with that. Honestly, it's such a genius idea. Thank you. Because I just remember when I was going through a breakup, I would I would wait for it to be an acceptable time to call the East Coast because it's earlier mm. where my parents were. And I'd just be like, just talk to me. Just mm. be on the, like, you just need something. You need some someone to replace your own yeah. thoughts, right? Yeah. And so to have that like very constructive message waiting for you in your inbox every day is so amazing. Yeah, and just having routine and ritual. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the one thing you can control when you're in your entire state is one of chaos. You can't control having that one thing you do for yourself. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the texting too. Yeah, right? so I have a text subscription service where people uh, can subscribe and I send inspirational content, studies, resources, and they can also even ask for advice and I provide personalized really? advice. Yeah. Wow. So you're truly like the love doctor. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> what a cool thing. So what have you, what have you learned the most for yourself throughout this whole process? Like what are the biggest takeaways for you that inform the way that you live your life? Yeah. I've changed so much because I've now gone through so many breakup boot camps, and I take something different every single time. How so, many have there been? Uh, we've done eight breakup boot camps and one uh, power play boot camp. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I feel 
one of the greatest things I've learned is, um, it was the belief exercise where I was always an overgiver and resentful that I was always giving too much. Mm-hmm. And when I finally realized that it came from a place of scarcity mm-hmm. and a belief that I am not enough, I was able to start to rewire that. Mm-hmm. And even just doing the practice where um, I would actually practice my muscle for receiving. Mm. And so it started off by just asking for small things. Uh, it could be a stranger opening the door for me at Starbucks, very small. And then you build yourself up to a bigger ask Mm. to also catching myself when someone's giving something to me to not automatically react by balancing it out because I was so uncomfortable with someone giving to me. So the awareness plus the practice has now shifted the way that um, I give and receive because it's a flow. If you're only giving, you're blocking flow. Absolutely. And it's generous to receive. So that was such a mind-blowing insight that it's generous to receive, to give people the opportunity to give to you. And my relationships have gotten better. Um, That resentment and that anger isn't there because I have boundaries. And uh, yeah. Yeah. And so do you feel like since you know all of this incredible information, when you date, is it like a lot for you to sort of, <laughs> sort of turn, take that hat off and just be present or how does that play out? Yeah. I feel for a long time, it was hard because I was so over, I was over analyzing so much mm-hmm. and now, I mean, I meditate an hour a day. I have such a great practice of just being present and mindful that when I'm out, whether I'm on a date or with friends, I'm a hundred percent present. So I don't have all these scripts running through my mind. And I have to say that is because of meditation and doing it every day. day. 100%. But isn't that, that's something we touched on before we actually started recording was this expectation and this future tripping, right? Right. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah. So something I talk about, my book is coming out in January. And I have a whole section dedicated on something I term future tripping. And that's when we create a fantasy of someone and what happens is your 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 body can't tell the difference of what's happened in the past the present or the future it's creating those chemicals and so when you're fantasizing and you're using that as a self-protection or coping or a soothing mechanism likely because it's something you learned as a child it's actually quite dysfunctional and i know for myself when starting when I was a very young child, I had a very chaotic upbringing. And so I would fantasize as a way to escape. And my norm was to just create fantasies out of everything. And so whenever I dated someone, when we would start off with equal feelings of interest after the first date or two, I would then go off and just for hours fantasize about our trip to Bali and then retiring one day and then our new baby, like all the things. And I would feel all the emotions. And then by the next time I'd see the person, my you feelings- You were in a different place. Oh, yeah, yeah, I skyrocketed. You'd already gotten married, had oh kids. Oh my God, we had the best relationship <laughs> together for a decade. We're in love. Come on, can't you see this? All we've done together. Exactly. Yeah. And the other person just wasn't on the same level. They and went out, they played basketball, they like had drinks with them. Yeah, we're on our second date. And yeah. I was like, oh my God, this is our 20th anniversary. <laughs> What's going on? That's hilarious. And what would happen is that that would activate my anxiety and then I would try to reach and then suddenly the power dynamic is off. Suddenly I want to see them more. I want more validation and then it would just not work out. Mm. And so one really great 
tip if you fantasy future trip. And this is really great for whether you're ruminating about the past or you're fantasizing about the future is the stop sign exercise. And the way you do this is once you notice your thoughts are kind of going through the spiral, you imagine a big red stop sign visually. You close your eyes, you imagine a red stop sign, and then you vocalize the word stop. And then you look around you and you just start listing everything you're grateful for. You just keep going. You keep going until eventually what happens is your brain loses the original thought. And then you don't even remember that you were doing the future tripping or the rumination. Mm. Now in the beginning, it might be a little bit hard because it's your first time. And again, you're, it's a muscle that you're building, but now I do it every single time. Like I forget that I was originally having that thought and it has completely shifted. Like when I'm dating someone, I'm not suddenly like right. <laughs> crazy. But, but over that them. does take discipline because it's pleasurable thoughts that you're, that you're visualizing. So yeah. I can understand when it's, um, when it's future tripping in the negative sense, like an anxiety provoking, like, oh, then this is going to happen. And then this is going to happen. And uh, that person's going to get sick. And then, yeah. so it's like that stop sign exercise is like such a relief, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, get that thought out of my mind. Stop. Where am I? I'm grateful for this. Everyone's healthy, you know? But when you're like, ah, now we're vacationing in Bali. Yeah. And it's like so pleasurable, right? To let, let yourself just sort of dream. And, you know, so to put a stop on that is actually quite, um, you know, difficult, right? Yeah, it's dopamine, right? It's yeah. your drug dealer. But maybe replacing <laughs> that with um, visual, visualizing yourself feeling whatever it is that you want to feel, you know, outside of that person or that like perceived, you know, adventure with that person, you know, mm-hmm. but like, I want to go to Bali. I want to do these things. And like, how am I going to feel when I'm there? And what's that going to be like in my body? And so we could still visualize the future we want to have, but not be so attached to it being with that individual. Yeah. I've not, I haven't tried that. The reason why the stop sign exercise works is what it's doing is it's distracting you from having the thought to go into a rabbit hole. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. Right. <laughs> when people are, you know, first dating someone and if you're having that pattern of just continually losing yourself in that, yeah. in that daydream for sure. But I was saying to you that like when Brian and I first met, or after I think it was our second date. Yeah. Our second date, like I just knew we were going to get married Mm. and he knew after the first date. So it's like also not ruling that out that Mm -hmm. if you have like this very strong feeling or this strong connection, I didn't really go so many places in my mind intellectually. Mm -hmm. It was more of a knowing in my body and in my bones, you know? Mm -hmm. So maybe stay with like your actual experience when you're with that person and not jumping ahead. Yeah. Yeah. But I love, love, love everything that you're doing. I think it's so seriously, so inspiring and so helpful to so many people. And I personally like following you on Instagram. Like I save so many of your, of your photos. Cause I think all of the, the way that you articulate your message is so, is so powerful. It really is. Thank you. So I'm excited to read your book when it comes out. Thank you. So can you let everyone know where to find you if they want to sign up or if they want to follow you and learn more? Yeah. So my website is renewbreakupbootcamp.com and you can follow me on Instagram at Miss Amy Chan and my book will be coming out in January. So stay posted on that. What's it called? Breakup Boot Camp, The Science to Rewiring Your Heart. So cool. Yeah. So awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. And I look forward to everything that's in store to come. Thank you, Amy. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.